Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. how God orchestrates things because you're not here by accident this morning they didn't sing this song by accident this morning I want this praise team if you don't care if you would just stay seated on the stage I want you to sing that course but right now there's somebody coming to give a testimony about how God can take and turn graves into gardens. Miss Trina, would you come? Um, I've been fighting this for a while, telling my testimony again, but it just, it keeps coming at me. Um, we ended up doing it today, and both of the Hero House and the Fulton House is here. And <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then she starts singing that song, and I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, it just all came together. Um, most of you know me, but for those who don't, my name is Trina, and I used to be on drugs and alcohol. I started in high school mainly just drinking and smoking pot um, on the weekends, you know, partying, having fun. Then I just had to, then I just started taking pills. And I was just taking the pills every now and then, you know, on the weekends. And then it started doing the everyday thing. I'm sorry. then I started taking them to feel normal because um, I was I was taking a lot and if for people who's on pills you know if you don't take them you're sick you feel like you have the flu I mean it's awful it's 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 awful so I would take them mainly just to you know feel normal I wasn't even taking them really to get high anymore um, and I worked I worked every day I was what you call a functioning addict. A lot of people didn't even know. I mean, my family didn't know because I was good at hiding it. I wouldn't, if if I would get really high, then I just wouldn't come out. I wouldn't come out of the house. I would I'd stay at home or I'd stay with my friends and, you know, get high. Um, this went on for about 15 years. And after about 15 years, it got to the point to where pills weren't good enough. So I started doing meth. Um, 
And then it was just, it's like it's a demon. I cannot explain meth to you and drugs to you good enough. Um, it, it, it is a demon. <laughs> I mean, it takes over you. You're not the same person. You, you do things that you wouldn't normally do. I mean, I've done things I'm so ashamed of. I was a liar, I was a cheater, I was a thief. Um, my husband, I mean, he's been with me this whole time and I don't know how he's done it. <laughs> cause I've done things to him and I've cheated on him and you know, cause I did what I had to do to get to the drugs. Whatever I had to do, I did it. If I was laying with the lowest of the low, that's what I did. Um, but you know, I was doing all that that I know now to fill a void in my life. I was, I was trying to find, fill that hole I guess I had. Um, and you're also, like once you get high, you're also chasing your first high. Um, <clears throat> you, you can't, you'll never find it. So you're just always going higher and you're not finding it. I did everything I could to make me feel good, you name it, and I did it. Um, oh my gosh, sorry. <laughs> Some of this stuff people don't know, and I'm just really nervous. But it got to a point to where I wanted to die. I mean, I would pray. I would pray every day, God, just let me wreck. I mean, take me out. I was tired of it. I was tired of living. I was tired of disappointing people. I was tired of chasing pills and chasing drugs. And I mean, I was just tired of it all. I, would, I mean, and I'm talking, I would beg. I would beg God, let me overdose, let me wreck and, wreck and die. Just, you know, take me out. I'm tired. So my sister, you know, she, she told me, she's like, you've done everything else to try to quit. She's like, why don't you try God? And I was like, well, you know, I guess, I guess I could try. I've tried everything else. So I went to church that Sunday and like, I didn't even stop. Like they hadn't even started singing or nothing. I just came straight to the altar. That's how, that's how hard it hit me. I mean, I was crying and my sister thought somebody died, and I was like, no. I was like, just do something. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, just do something. I was like, I'm, she's like, you're ready? I said, I'm ready. I was like, just do it. I was like, help me do what I got to do. So that day I got saved, and God even delivered me that day of drugs and alcohol. Um, I had no withdrawal, no sickness, no nothing, you know, I told God I'd do whatever it took to make him happy and to make him, you know, happy with me. So, you know, that, that went on and I did some things and that lasted about eight years. And this is the part that a lot of people don't know. About a year and a half ago, I, I started, I was straddling the fence of church. I wasn't coming. I wasn't, you know, going to meetings. I wasn't doing anything. And then COVID hit, and then Davy's mom got sick. I mean, I could sit up here and name excuse after excuse, but it's still no excuse. Um, but I relapsed. So, I mean, I'm, I beat myself up all the time because I went eight years 
and relapsed. How can you do that? I mean, how is that possible? And, you know, God delivered me, and then I go back on him. I quit going to church, and I just, I just couldn't believe it. But then in November, I decided, I was like, I can't go back down this road. I can't do this again. So I came back to church in November, and I gave my life back to God. So now I've been clean since November. Um, it's a, it's a hard it's hard and it's hard for recovering addicts. I mean, look at me. I was clean for eight years, but you know, I still I still had people in the church contacting me and you know checking on me. And I mean, I was just like whatever and trying to ignore them. And but I realized without God, I couldn't do it. I mean, I did it all that time with him by my side and the church by my side. And as soon as I quit going, as soon as I started shoving God out of my life, I relapsed. I went back. And you know what? God's, God's making me understand I've moved on. And it's hard. I mean, as you can see, I'm still having a hard time forgiving myself. But I know I can do this, and I know God has great plans for me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do, and I'm going to tell my testimony, even though I get nervous and, you know, I probably stumble around. But, you know, addicts and recovering addicts especially need your prayers. I mean, we all need your prayers. It's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle every day. You're, you have to quit hanging out with friends that you're hanging out with. You're lonely because you have to hang out by yourself. I mean, it gets lonely. And, you know, you try to find new friends. And you, you don't know who to trust because you know how you was in the past. You know how your friends was in the past. So you have a hard time trusting people. And, you know, we just we need prayers to, to help to stay clean and sober. Um, that's about all I got for now. <laughs> but thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we have NA classes on Mondays from 7 to 8. Thank you. Remember the story last week of Nehemiah, those old burned down stones, the rubble, the trash that the enemy said, you're going to rebuild with that? I'll take a hundred trainers any day. I'll rebuild with that. <laughs> Can we sing that chorus one more time?
you sing that like you believe it. your Bibles, if you would go with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, let us go to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? (laughs) Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Jacob, would you bless the word this morning? Amen. 
Air high five somebody, let them know you're glad they are here. At this time, our children can be dismissed to go with Mr. David. You're going to the other side. I find it amazing in that story that Jesus, as he was getting onto the boat, he said, let's, let us go to the other side. If he said it, they were going to the other side. Didn't matter what they faced on the way over there, he said we're going to the other side. And I want you to know this morning, if you got a word from the Lord, you better hold on to it. They had a word from the Lord, and here's what I want us to understand this morning. That ship represents our life. That ship represents our, our destination, the course of our life. And uh, one man said that the soul of a man is like a ship that sails on the sea of time. Now, when Jesus got on the boat, when he got on their ship, he changed their course. Understand that when Jesus got on the boat, the course changed. What I mean is, when Jesus got on the boat, he gave them purpose. Mike, he gave them a destination. Your life without Jesus in it has no purpose and has no destination. In fact, the Bible says that without Christ, we're perishing to a death. With Christ, we have life and we have it eternal. I just want you to know this morning, is there anybody that remembers the time and the moment that Jesus got on your boat? Does anybody remember when he changed the course of your life? You were lost, you were drifting, you were bound. I mean, I don't know what it was, but you were on your way to a devil's hell, but you invited Christ onto your boat and he changed your course and he changed your destination. Now, one day you found out that Jesus came on board, and I love it because when he came on board, I found out that I was washed in his blood. I found out that he had delivered me. He put his spirit inside of me. He put a new anointing upon my life. He gave me purpose, and he gave me a destination. Does anybody remember that glorious day? I can tell you mine like it was yesterday, but as soon as Jesus entered the ship. He gave them a word and happy. He said, let us go to the other side. When Jesus said that, that settled it. They were getting to the other side. Nothing was going to stop them. That word was prophetic. That word was a word spoken from Jesus himself, and it carried a destination with it. When Jesus speaks a word into your life, you better hold on to it because your destiny is in that word. I don't think we understand that. And we take it lightly. We give up on it. If God has given you a word, it's your destiny. It's your purpose. Let us go to the other side. The word said, we're going somewhere. There may be a storm, there may, may be some, some, some rocky moments here, but you're going to live, you're not going to die, because I've given you a destination, and we're going to the other side. Now, has anybody ever got a word that you're going somewhere? 
Has anybody ever got a word that pointed you towards something greater than, than what you've already had? Has anybody ever got a word from God that stirred their faith? Nobody? Man, rough crowd this morning. Trina, you want to come back? They responded to you better. Does anybody have a word that wakes them up in the morning, that carries you through the day? That's what we have to get inside of us because it only takes a word. One word from God changes our life forever. It changes our destination. And I'm telling this church, we're going to the other side. We're not done. Our worst days are, are you know, the, we, we're, the, the worst days are not ahead of us. Our best days are still ahead of the church. I don't care what the world looks like. The disciples got a word that assured them that the presence of God was with them. Somebody said, I have a word, but I can't find God in it. I'm going to tell you something. When God gives you a word, if it is from God, it carries His presence. If God gives you a word, it carries His presence with it. I didn't say, Patty, that God gave you a word and it's always going to make you happy. Man. See, that's what we think. We think God's going to give us a word and it's just going to make us happy. God's given me a lot of words and I don't like them sometimes. I didn't say that it's always even going to make us feel good. What I said is, if God gives you a word, it carries his presence. Do you think when Abraham got a word to leave, do you think he liked it? Did that make him happy? Did that make him feel good? No. Do you think missionaries that are all around the world today spreading the gospel, when God said leave everything you know, leave America and go to some third world Muslim nation and preach Jesus? Oh, and you may die while you're there. You think it made them feel good? Moses said if your presence go not with us, then do not take us up from this place. His presence and his word go together. I don't care how religious it may sound. If it does not carry his presence, it is not his word. And some of us need to get that. Because we're living in a day and age when a lot of people are speaking a word that does not have his presence attached to it. If it does not line up with the word of God, it does not carry his presence. Listen here. The word that carries his presence has the power to carry you and keep you. They got a word of purpose, and it assured them of their destination. And Christy said, we're going to the other side. That word made them unsinkable. I don't care how ugly that water looks and whatever that boat looks like, they got a word that said, we're going to the other side. They were unsinkable. Hold on to your word. If you hold on to your word, you're going to the other side. Again, I didn't say that the word guarantees you an easy life. You're never going to go through a storm. No. I said the Word will carry you through the storm. The Word will carry you through the storm. It'll hold you up through the storm. The Word will make you unsinkable in the storm. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have a Word from the Lord. 
The enemy would have loved to have killed me years ago, but I had a word. The enemy would have allowed uh, debt to sink me, but I had a word. Family turmoil and strife would have sunk me, but I have a word. Attacks on my integrity and my character would have drowned me in a sea of despair years ago, but I'm thankful I had a word. Depression and fear and anxiety would have swallowed me up, but I'm thankful today I have a word. Is anybody here awake this morning? Do you have a word? If you have a word, you're unsinkable and you will get to the other side. I'm telling you, hold on to it. That word is fireproof. That word, I'm telling you, it's invincible. That word makes you unsinkable. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. My God, if you got a word this morning, you're untouchable. You need to get your MC hammer pants on and can't touch this. Please don't. If you still got MC hammer pants, you need to like upgrade. They'll probably be in style again in a couple weeks, so. The devil says you're going to die. The doctor's report says incurable, terminal. But the Word of God says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Word of God says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The devil would love you to believe that your ministry is over, and you might as well just throw in the towel. But the Word of God says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? The devil says you'll never see those children saved. You're just wasting your time praying for them. They're never going to serve the Lord. Well, I come to tell the devil, the word says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Genesis says, And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee I have seen righteous before me in this generation. Acts eleven fourteen says, Who shall tell thee these words? Whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. we got to start telling ourselves those kind of things when the enemy begins to attack our mind because we have a word. The disciples, they're sailing and, and all of a sudden this, the, 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 they had this power of this word and Jesus has fell asleep. Now there's a storm. The word storm means a whirlwind, a violent attack of wind. That's what was happening here. Literally, it was as if they had a bullseye on them. The enemy knew where they was at and he had a bullseye on them and this storm was violently sent to attack them. Now, it's launched to destroy them. Have you ever had it felt like there's a bullseye on you? The devil has just signaled you out and, and he's concentrating extra measure, extra opposition, extra weapons, and they're all on you. How many's ever prayed, God, will you just like take some of that to let the devil take some of that to my neighbor? 
Don't ever pray that prayer. You remember in high school when we'd play tricks on one another and we'd slap that thing on somebody's back and say, kick me? Does that know what it feels like sometimes the enemy's doing? It's like we got to stop sometimes and say, do I have a, a, a post-it on my back that says, kick me? That's, I mean, that, that, a lot of times that's what the enemy does. He says, all right, you little imps, you get away. I'm going to come and do it myself for a while. If the answer is yes, then you should be praising God because you're doing something right. If the devil is that worried about you and concentrating so much of his energy and resources on you, you're a threat to him. You are a threat to him. I would be scared when that stuff is not happening to me. The devil knows you have a word. Why? Because he heard it too. He knows you're on your way to something. That is why you have to keep moving. I know I'm on my way to something, Rob. I, I, I know I'm not in this storm for nothing. I'm not going through this hell for nothing. I'm not walking through this valley of the shadow of death for nothing. I'm going through this because I'm going to something. I don't know what something is, but I'm going there. The fight is not about you, where you are today. It's not where you are today. The fight is about the word that you have. See, we get so caught up in today. The fight is about your destiny. The enemy really doesn't care how you spend your day today. He's more worried about where you spend your eternity The fight is all about where you're going and what you're trying to get to. And if I can stop you, if I can throw a little kick me sign on the back, if I can get you away from church for a couple of weeks, which turns into a couple months, which turns into now I'm alone and the church has forsaken me because, uh, you know, oh boy. The most vulnerable Christian is the alone Christian. The greatest storm of your life means that you're the closest to your destiny than you've ever been. The greater the storm is the greater, is the greater breakthrough. Joseph's brothers wanted him dead. Not because he was the father's favorite. They wanted him dead because he had a dream. Joseph had a word. Do Joseph had a destiny. He had a, a future. And as long as you ain't got nothing, as long as you, you, you have no dreams, you have no visions, you have no passions, you have no desire, you have nowhere you want to be or anywhere you want to go, you've got a lot of friends. But as soon as you get a word and you start dreaming of a better tomorrow, you start prophesying to your destiny that it's bigger than, than your friends can imagine, more than they can handle, that's when they get off. They will try to discourage you. They will try to talk you out of your destiny. Church people will do that. And if you will not sell out and forfeit your dreams, settle back into a life of mediocrity and some type of religious expectation, then you are going to be a threat to those friends. Because what they want you to do is be like them and be mediocre and be a religious expectation. 
Everybody cannot go where God's taking you. Most people don't want to go where God's taking you. You need friends that believe in you. You need friends who believe that God is doing something in you. You need friends that's pushing you to your destiny. If they're not, kick them out. Kick them out of the circle. Rob Parsley said, people are either wind in your sails or weights around your neck. The disciples, they're moving. They're moving in this word. They're they're sailing to, to a destination, to their purpose. And now they're attacked. Believe me. If you ever set out to do anything for God, if, you're, if you ever get bold enough to launch into your word and walk into your destiny, you're getting ready to be attacked. Physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, there are going to be attacks against your marriage. There's going to be attacks against your ministry. Why? Because the moment you realize there's something better and I'm stepping into it, you become dangerous. You're a threat to hell when you step into your purpose. You become dangerous. Your dreams are dangerous if you step into them. Your word makes you dangerous. We understand that, and we've come to grips with that, and we realize that our word makes us a target for the enemy, and now that puts you and I in the line of fire. We have a bullseye. But here's the part that really makes it hard, and I get frustrated here a lot, because even for the most spiritual, the most anointed, the the most mature believer, this frustrates me. Verse 23, Jesus falls asleep. What? Have you ever felt like God just done the greatest thing in your life? He stirred you. He gave you the most powerful moment and word of destiny, and then he just goes to sleep and forgets about you? My Lord, you let people lie on me. You let people cheat on me. You let people persecute me. You let people criticize me. You let people steal from me, ignore me, overlook me, underestimate me. Anybody? (laughs) Can I tell you the truth? Just because you're called doesn't mean you'll you'll never have troubles. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean you'll never be lied on. It doesn't mean that God's going to wrap you in cotton so you don't get your feelings hurt. In fact, the more anointed you are, the more destiny you embrace, and the more focused you become on fulfilling the promises of God in your life, the greater threat you are to hell and the greater the attacks are going to be against your life. Joseph was anointed. Joseph was favored by God. Repeatedly, the Bible says, no matter where you saw Joseph, it said the Lord was with him. Wow, he went to prison with him. He was at Potiphar's house with him. He was at the pit with him. No matter where he went, the Bible says God was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. 
Okay. Then why didn't God stop his brothers from stripping his coat and putting him in a pit and selling him? If God loved Joseph so much, why why didn't God stop Potiphar's lustful wife from lying on him and destroying his character, his integrity, in the eyes of Potiphar and all the people? Matter of fact, if God loved him so much and if God was with him, why did God let the butler forget him? Was God on vacation? Was he asleep? It was all part of making Joseph the kind of man that God could trust with the dream that he had given him. From that day, God gave Joseph the dream. The dream never changed. The dream never changed. But the dreamer went through a process Stripping and refining and bringing him to a place that, to where finally he was qualified to go to the dream. Some of you are in a process right now. And I can't remember who I heard preach it, but they said one of the greatest things in the world, and it's so true. We have become such convenient Christians that we want the promise without the process. We have become a fast food Christian society. Gimme, 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 gimme now. And if you don't, I'm out. The word must have been a lie. Joseph went a long time from dream to promise. His own brothers threw him in a pit stripped his coat, and sold him to slavery. His own family. That would have probably emptied the building. Listen to me. God never sleeps. We know that. In fact, the psalmist says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. I know God never sleeps, but I promise you, there are going to be times in your life when it feels like that God is in such a slumber that nothing can wake him up. How many sleeps like that? It's just part of the process. And there's going to be a process to get to the promise, but you're going to the other side. Some of you, I'm talking right now, have felt like God has just went to sleep and the devil has had his way in your life. And to tell you, it looks like and feels like you're further and further away than you ever were before. But I come to tell somebody, God is not asleep. He's not forgotten you. God has his eyes on the sparrow, and his eyes are on you every minute of the day. He's been watching you throughout the whole process. He, I mean, he has overseen the temperature. He has been controlling the speed of the wheel. He saw the storm coming before you ever got in it. Understand that. He saw the storm before you ever got in it. He already knew that the storm wasn't going to kill you because he said from the beginning, we're going to the other side. 
He already knew that this storm wasn't going to sink you. He already knew that this storm was not going to destroy your ministry. Before you ever entered the battle, he knew that you had everything you needed to be more than a conqueror. It's not over. How could Jesus sleep? How can he sleep through the same storm? Chris, it's got the disciples in a panic. They're freaking out. The answer is, Jesus believed the word he spoke. And from the very beginning, he said, let us go to the other side. He knew that his word would not come back void, but it would accomplish that which he pleased and prosper in thing whereto he sent it. I wish people in here would believe the word. You're going through the storm in your life, in your finances, but you still have to believe the Word. You're going through one of the greatest trials in your health, but you still have to believe the Word. You're fighting for your children, and they seem further and further away than they ever have, but you still have to believe the Word. You be, I mean, you've tried in ministry, and you're tired, and your character, and your reputation, and your integrity. You feel like all that stuff has been attacked, but you have to believe the Word that you're going to the other side the Bible says that they woke up Jesus they woke up the bear <laughs> but here's what I like about this they're panicked but they woke up Jesus and I like this because I get a different interpretation out of this a lot of people think they woke up Jesus because they were scared I think they woke up Jesus because they realized I got to go back to the word I'm in the storm, and I'm panicking, and I'm doing everything. Why don't I just go back to the Word? John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. John 1, 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was sitting right down there asleep. <laughs> I don't care what the enemy's doing to you today or trying to do you. It does not matter what the storm or the test or the trial is. It does not matter how hot the fire, how, how hot the flames, how deep the water. It doesn't matter. The answer is the same. Hold on to your word. Selena, if you'll come to the piano. Your word will get you through, church. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken it, it shall, shall he not make it good? Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled it's done. It's settled in heaven. Get back to your word. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and 18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. If you got a word, take it. It's a weapon. 
Your word is a weapon. God did not give you that word just to be a, a little soft pillow on your head to lay down at night. He gave you that word to fight with. He knew the enemy was going to attack us. He knew the enemy would oppose us, and he gave us a word to war with. Somebody, you have a word that that spouse is going to be saved, and those children are going to be delivered from drugs and alcohol, but they look further away than they've ever been before. You're going to the other side. Some of you, you feel like that you've been called into ministry and you've fought it for years. But I'm telling you the truth. You're tired and you're on the verge of just saying, I let it go. Hold on to your word because you're going to the other side. God's not a liar. God is not a liar. He does not give us a word to frustrate us. God does not give us a word to, to make us feel like we're in chaos and disruption. No, he gives us a word to motivate us, to strengthen us in the battle, to give us a weapon to battle against discouragement and doubt and all the stuff that's going on in our world. Listen to me, church. If there was ever a time that we need to hear this verse, do not get weary in well-doing. We're about to reap a reward. And the church seems to be getting more tired and tired and weary. Church, this is not the time to lay down and quit. If there was ever a time to reach down in this gut and find a little bit more fight, it's right now. It's time that the church rise and wake up and realize God's not finished with us yet. The nation may be in turmoil, but the church is still going to thrive. <laughs> well, pastor, the boat was filled with water. The church is filled with doubt and worry and anxiety and stress and all the negative circumstances. If we don't watch, we'll let that very stuff drown out our faith and steal our joy. That's what the devil's after. If he can discourage us and drown out that word, the, the devil's telling a lot of people it's hopeless. People saying, well, America, we're a post-Christian society. I don't care. God's still not dead. We're still present-day God. Hold on to your word. If God spoke it, God will bring it to pass. If God spoke about bringing, your godly bringing a godly husband into your life, listen to me. Go buy the wedding dress. If God spoke it, go buy the wedding dress. If God said, you know, I'm going to give you that new house, start building the plans. Start checking out the furniture. Angie, if God said you're going to write that book, get the paper, get the computer. Talena, if he said you're going to write a song, get the paper, get the computer, start writing it out. If God said he's going to save your family, you've got to stop calling them heathens. You've got to stop acting like they're unreachable. 
God, will you save them? They'll never get saved. God, will you save my son? He'll never get saved. You want me to tell you what you start doing? When you see that heathen, say, there's my saved son. God's going to save you. You know what that does? It brings on this word called conviction. <laughs> and they ain't nobody likes that. Church, we got to hold on to our word. Hebrews 10, 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. The devil wants to steal your faith in the word of God. If it's in here, it's going to happen. His promises are yes and amen. As soon as Jesus wakes up, what's he say? Where's your faith? Did I not tell you before I went to take a nap? We're going to the other side. They let a storm rob them of the faith in the Word. How many of us have allowed the storms of this life to rob us of our faith in the Word? Church, we've got to stop looking to Fox News and CNN. That stuff, will, that is enough to drown anybody's faith away. And we've got people who are so eat up with it that we will sit and turn our TV on Fox or CNN or Newsmax or OAN or whatever it is from 7 o'clock in the morning till, not, till bedtime. That ain't a faith builder. Because by the end of the day, you're going to be like a country song. Gloom, doom, despair, and agony. I watch it for 10 minutes and I'm like, it's hopeless. And that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to throw in the towel and say it's hopeless. I don't know what storms you've went through. I don't know what storms you're going through right now. But I'm telling you, hold on to your word. The boat may be demolished. The economy may bottom tomorrow. Gas prices may be $10 a gallon. Bread may be $20 a loaf. And the government may go bankrupt. But you're going to the other side. Your word will deliver you, your word will sustain you, your word will carry you through the other side. I'm telling you, if we ever want the church to shine, it's right now. Because I'm telling you, I love what he said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. The world is in chaos and the church should be living in glory right now. We are the only answer for the world.
and they're searching. My faith is not in my boat. My faith is not in my church. My faith is not in my job. My faith is not in the economy. It's not in the government. My faith is in the Word. I've got a God said so inside of me. And if you've got a God said so on the inside of you, you're unsinkable. Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. It's as good as done. He that hath begun a good work in you will finish it till the day of Christ. What you need to do right now is get your eyes off the storm and get them back to the Word. Right now, some of you need to praise Him because He told the truth. Right now, some of you need to praise Him like He's already done it. None of y'all are praising. (laughs) Right now, Praise Him because He told the truth. If you've got to praise Him on credit, do it. Some of you need to praise Him like He's already brought you out of debt. Some of you need to praise Him like you've already written that song or that book. Praise Him like your family's already saved, Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized, sitting beside of you with their hands raised and praising with you right now. I wish I had some people that knew how to praise God right now. Get your eyes off the problem. Get your eyes off the storm and get them back on the Word. I don't care what's happening in your life right now. Who's ready to act on the Word? How many will put their mask on and come to this altar and praise Him and trust Him at His Word? How many will come and praise Him for financial breakthrough? How many will come and praise Him for marital breakthrough? How many will come and praise Him for family breakthrough? How many will come and praise Him for addiction breakthrough? If you don't start praising Him, the rocks are going to cry out. Psalm 143, my enemy has chased me. He knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you've done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched lands thirst for rain. Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com 
www.wc.com prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.